The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. All right, welcome into another episode of the Eco Right Speaks podcast. My name is Bryce Atkinson. No, these are not the soothing tones of our normal host, Chelsea Henderson. She will be back actually in the very next segment with a conversation joined by our executive director, Bob Inglis. They will be talking with former Exelon chairman John Rowe from Chicago, one of Bob's friends. And so we will bring you that conversation in the very next segment. John Rowe, chairman emeritus with the Exelon Corporation. Then I'll be back on, in the final segment to talk with Bob uh, specifically about members of Congress and the field trips that we set up for them. Uh, we've done a series of them uh, already this year. We've done some in years past, and we're continuing to march forward with more later this year. Uh, so excited to kind of uh, give the details, kind of what we do, how we set them up, and you know what the goal of the field trips that we set up for members of Congress. So we'll bring you that uh, after the conversation with John Rowe. Again, episode 13 of the Eco Right Speaks podcast. You can download, listen, subscribe uh, every single Tuesday when a new episode comes out. We will be finishing up season four about midsummer and then take a little break before we fire up another season a little bit later this year. So we're excited to bring you yet another episode of the Eco Right Speaks podcast in this conversation with John Rowe. Coming up next with Chelsea Henderson and Bob English. You don't want to miss it. And then Bob will be back with me in the final segment here on the Eco Right Speaks podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Here we are with the former slash retired CEO of Exelon, Mr. John Rowe. And joining us also in conversation, our own Bob English. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show. Happy to do so. Great to be here. I wouldn't miss time with John Rowe, so uh, that's why I'm uh, I'm popping in here, Chelsea. Normally you do this, but I've I got to talk with John too. Well, Bob, we were both really excited when we read that Real Clear Energy piece that you wrote, Mr. Rowe, last month. And listeners, I will definitely provide a link to that op-ed in the show notes. And one thing that just really struck me is that you said you have hope, and man, I am mining for hope right now. So. I was um, thinking that maybe you could just share with our listeners a little bit about what does give you hope right now, hope for um, a spark of bipartisan spirit, a hope for for climate resolution, anything that gives you hope. We'll take it. Well, it's the great Churchill line. You can count on Americans to do the right thing, but not until after they tried everything else. Uh, (laughs) Yes, that gives me hope. American democracy is stronger than it looks to any of us on any given day. So that gives me hope. Also, Bob would know better than I, but even though the partisan edges are sharper than ever, I think there are an increasing number of Republicans who see that we got to do something about climate. Our problem, of course, is that the left wants to do everything, regardless of cost or collateral damage. And the right would really prefer to put its head in the sand and say nothing needs to be done. Fortunately, there are exceptions. Lisa Murkowski for one, Susan Collins for another. 
I think the continued piling up of evidence is important. At the same time, I think the whole mess in the Ukraine has brought home to people that this is not a one-issue world. We need the energy security we could have if we had a sensible policy about exploiting it. So, yes, I'm optimistic, but you won't find me holding my breath. And my other big issue is immigration reform. I could make the same speech on that one, too. America is torn between people who think they want radical change and don't know what that would look like, and people who think we were always a perfect place, which we know damn well we weren't. Well, you had a quote in that op-ed that I just wanted to read for listeners that I think really sums up everything you just said, ironically, because I did not know that's what you were going to say. Here's the quote. Republicans are the party of Lincoln and therefore must reinforce our commitment to people and to the environment we share. And the party of Clinton must remember that it's the economy stupid and return to fiscally responsible policymaking. That's how we get together, right? That's how we meet in the middle. Oh, I think so. There are a few people who will try to do it if you don't ask them to take too much risk in the process. Senator Murkowski is one of my heroes. And she's got a Trump primary opponent. Yeah. Well, she's also in a state that has really seen uh, very much the impacts of climate change. They're not waiting to see climate impacts. They are enduring. They're suffering them now. Right. But at the same time, they're very pro-energy development. Yeah. So Alaska is a place where both blades of the scissors are there. Um, I wanted to to rewind into history a little bit. When you were running Exelon during the days of the Waxman-Markey bill, you pulled Exelon out of the Chamber of Commerce, right, over the commerce's um, sort of draconian views on climate change at the time. Fast forward to today, and the Chamber supports kind of um, new, uh, no specific piece of policy, but overall a, a price on carbon. So what do you do you um, attribute that shift in the chamber's thinking to companies like Exelon or is it was it did it happen at the the leadership level of the chamber? Why do you think I mean, that's a pretty big shift between, um, you know, 2010 and now. The times, the amount of information that's available, Tom Wilson's leadership when he was chairman, um, you know, Exelon's pulling out was half theater. Uh, Ron called me and said, God damn it, why don't you do something? So I did. Uh, <laughs> of course, I said, Ron, on some related things, why don't you do something? And he didn't. But uh, <laughs> uh, Ron was an old friend, still is. Mm-hmm. But I-, I think corporate America writ large has come to grasp climate as a very real problem and to to consistently grope for effective solutions that don't screw up all the good things we have. To me, that always comes back to the nasty two words, carbon tax. If you look around, oil companies that were 
in 2010, very hostile to Waxman-Markey, now favors something. A larger portion of the utilities in America do. Uh, Exxon certainly still does. And they're all fishing for ways to make it as low cost to customers as possible. And oh, by the way, as profitable to themselves as they can. But I think in the 12 years that you're referring to, there has been a real shift in corporate leadership on the climate subject. I don't think corporate executives just want to take it on anymore. Hey, John, to, to, to depart from the script for a moment, just to remind our listeners that you're, 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 you're Mr. Chicago, um, and that guy you were just referencing was Rahm Emanuel, who was the mayor of Chicago. And uh, just I know it's off script here, but I'm so impressed by the work you've done in education in Chicago. Can you just talk to that about just a minute about uh, what you've actually been teaching yourself, right, in, in Chicago schools? Oh, sure. I taught a history class. My wife did something called Girl Talk that was 10 times as important and successful, and she did it for a decade. Gene and I have deeply believed that the city public school system is frozen by the teachers' union. And we do have enemies. We're not always nice people. And um, like a lot of teachers, but don't like the teachers' union. And we put a lot of money, $12 million, into two charter schools. We put at least $3 million into parochial schools. We're large advocates of a group called Big Shoulders. But we're constantly looking for ways to accompany increased expenditure with increased accountability. And energy is easy compared to education. Uh, accountability in education is really hard stuff. And, you know, I'll give you a simple example. One of my favorite girls from my history class flunked out of St. Mary's. So she's telling me her tale of woe and I'm listening kind of cynically. And then she came up with this line. Well, Mr. Rowe, you do know that my mother is a prostitute and my father is a convicted murderer, don't you? Wow. What does that girl have to go home to? Yeah, wow. You know, you, you can't help these kids if you don't understand the pressures they're under. And some of them are like, like this girl are, are just under incredible pressure. Yeah, it's so oh, yeah, true. Yeah. And, and just to just to make sure, we, you, you're talking, those numbers you were just giving us, that's you and Gene personally doing those things, which is... Yeah, that's not just, money, that's our money. Yeah, which is just remarkable. And, and that you've taken your time to do that. And the interesting insight you've got here, you, you're saying what I often say is, you know, solving climate change is really pretty easy compared to other things like health care or now you're raising education, which is just a hard nut to crack. But accountability, like you just said, accountability in climate for emissions solves a problem. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just, uh, all we need is to, 
get Milton Friedman to speak to that or somebody to say, hey, this is what Milton Friedman would do, right? That's maybe you could explain that. Uh, you can explain it better than I can. Well, we can find someone to do it with appropriate strikes. The issue is how we get them believed. You know, I've been called a rhino, uh, a whole bunch of other things. Uh, uh, somewhere I've got my bobblehead carbon bandit doll that I got from some oil company. You just have to keep making the case. Things that use the market, work through the market price like carbon taxes, do more good at less cost than all these mandates. And I think most executives believe that, but there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that a small, ratcheted, escalating carbon tax would do a lot more for greenhouse and climate at a lot less cost than all the things we're going to play with. Um. Mr. Rowe, as we wrap this um, conversation up, I have to bring up a personal story. And that is that many years ago, when I was working for Senator John Warner, as he was writing the Lieberman-Warner Climate Security Act, and he said to me, we need to have some nuclear provisions in this bill. And David Brown and Emily Duncan had been on my door. And so I immediately liked them and said, tell me what, what can we do that's not controversial? because of course we had to get whatever bill through Barbara Boxer, the chairman of EPW. And so David and Emily helped me craft a, a training provision that would use some of the auction revenue to um, train sort of the next generation of nuclear engineers, I believe was what we did, something along those lines. Uh, we thought it was going to be not controversial. It ended up being very controversial because Barbara Boxer just couldn't do anything with the word nuclear in it. But um, that is beside the point. During this process, at some point, Emily asked if I wanted to go to dinner. We went to dinner and I'm thinking, well, this lobbyist wants to have dinner with me. That's fine. Today, she's one of my best friends. And I would not know her if it weren't for Exelon having the foresight to hire her, for Warner to have the foresight to hire me, and for that um, bill effort to bring us together. So thank you for your part in uh, bringing Emily Duncan into your staff. She's still there and really um, has her career is taking off, it seems. so. Emily is one of the most fun people to work with I ever worked with. I'm a big Emily fan. <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of you, big fan of Exxon, big fan of Bob. And hopefully we will all see progress as we move forward. And I just thank you for your time and everything you're doing on the education front, on the energy front. Um, you know, I, I see people like you who retire and seem to work harder in retirement, and I'm not sure what to make of that. But <laughs> I feel like I'm going to retire and read books all day. I did for seven years. Now I'm a little lazier. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, John, you're an inspiration. So we thank you for, uh, for being in this and uh, for giving us uh, this time. And the encouragement you've given us to at republician.org uh, ever since our inception. So you know, thank you. These things are terribly frustrating. But a long time ago, I ran into a quotation that took me years to find the source from a second century rabbi. And he said, you are not required to finish the work. Neither are you permitted to desist from it. I do not think there's any better advice. 
now continue on the Eco Rights Speaks podcast. Visit republicen.org online to sign up and stand with us. All right, welcome back into the Eco Rights Speaks podcast. I'm Price Atkinson, and I'm with our executive director, Bob Inglis, who just joined us for the John Rowe interview. Now is with me here as we're going to talk a little bit about our field trips because we've had a couple of recent field trips, Bob, and, and we've actually had several questions from some of our members and folks on social media, you know, asking what, you know, kind of what's behind, why, what are these things when you do field trips? We did one with Trey Hollingsworth in Indiana most recently, uh, and actually most recently we were in Naples and did one with Congressman Byron Donald. So Southern Indiana with Trey Hollingsworth. And then a week later, we were down in Naples with Congressman Byron Donalds. And, you know, you know, just let's hit to the question is, you know, what, you know, explain to our listeners what these field trips are all about, why we set them up, what, what the idea behind them is. Well, the idea is to take uh, Republican members of Congress out in their districts with local experts to see Local climate impacts. I think I said local three times right there because a uh, uh, typical rule is that all politics is local. Um, that's maybe not so true right now where it's all national, but um, but surely there's this local component of climate, and that's what we want to uh, make sure that the local member of Congress knows about. And so we also sometimes uh, put some conservatives on the boat or on the hike or on the, uh, on the car ride or whatever. We haven't done a helicopter yet, but that'd be fun. Um, so, um, so you got an expert, you got some conservative constituents, you got the member of Congress, maybe you have a journalist, um, depending on whether the member of Congress finds that in their interest, whether they want to talk off the record or on the record. <clears throat> and so uh, that's it. We that's the idea of these field trips is to create this learning experience for member of Congress and give them the opportunity to to not be pressured, um, but rather to learn about the local climate impacts in a low pressure environment. Um, if they want to talk policy we're ready to talk policy. If they want to just talk impacts, we'll talk impacts. Um, if they just want to see for themselves what the scientists are talking about, that's fine too. All those things we're happy to do. Um, and each one is different. You know, sometimes there, there'll be um, like, for example, with uh, Congressman Byron Donald's, a real interest in a policy discussion. Other times there'll be a very intricate presentation, like from the Corps of Engineers with uh, Congressman Trey Hollingsworth about the issue of flooding along the Ohio River and how that impacts uh, the Indiana side of the river. Um, and uh, so that one was very much into civil engineering right there. Um, and then there are others like uh, Congress, Congresswoman Maria Salazar on Biscayne Bay, where, uh, you know, an expert in communications, that's uh, Maria Salazar. She was in the TV business before she went to Congress. She uh, just heard it and repeated it. She told her staff that what happens on the land ends up in the water. And uh, what we were talking about there was inundation of septic tanks and the water quality in Biscayne Bay. Of course, uh, we've subsequently sort of added 
uh, a precursor to all that. Uh, yeah, we've, we've added a precursor to all that, which is, yeah, and there's another thing. What goes in the air affects what happens on the <laughs> land, and then that ends up in the bay or in the waterway. And so that's, uh, that's what we... So we've had a, a range of, um, it can either be policy-centered or they can be uh, rather civil engineering-centered or they can be communication-centered. Those are three recent ones that all were just a little bit different. You know, the feedback you get from members and staff, what is it like after we do some of these, Bob? Because I know it's, you know, Maria Salazar, for instance, uh, Congresswoman Salazar, she had her entire staff. You know, on board when we did that one last fall, um, you had a lot of Byron Donald staff join us recently. You know, what are some of the kind of feedback comments? Um, you know, maybe vibe you get from members and staff after we put these on. I think it's all been positive feedback after the fact. I think going in, there's a little bit of trepidation that uh, what are they going to do? Are they going to corner us on this boat? Are they going to, you know, trap us with this uh, something we say or? Or they can make us walk the plank or what. But um, I think there's great relief, particularly among the staff, when they realize, no, 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 really, honest to goodness, this is an educational experience. And uh, you can go um, with your member of Congress and uh, find out how local constituents are being impacted so that that member of Congress can be relevant um, you know, it's also an application of something called the listen, learn, help, lead model. Well, the idea is you go out and listen and learn, you help, and then that qualifies you to lead. And so that's what we hope out of these trips is that it's an opportunity for a member of Congress to listen and learn and uh, show that they want, they want to be helpful. And it prepares them to lead on climate change. You know, Congressman Car- uh, Carlos Corbello was the very first one that we did. And we were, you know, honored to, to begin these series of field trips with him. But, you know, co-sponsors is something that's vitally important, right? When we put these together, we usually have, you know, some co-sponsors, um, you know, groups, friend, friends, you know, if you will, on the eco right, been with us through these, you know. Yeah, we've been tremendously helped by having some co-sponsors, you know, where whether it's Audubon or... Uh, SC4D, Students for Carbon Dividends, or ACC, American Conservation Coalition. Um, those have all been tremendously um, valuable because they bring along um, further validation that conservatives care about climate change. You know, there are a lot of conservatives in Audubon. There are clearly a lot of conservatives, or that's the whole point of Students for Carbon Dividends. And there are a lot of cons- conservatives in American Conservation Coalition, turns out that conservation and conservative have something in common. Um, and uh, so so those groups really help us to further validate for the member of Congress that, yo, there are conservatives who care about climate change and who are ready to act on climate change. And the neat thing is that members of Congress are starting to get the message that, uh, you know, that's a species that exists. There was a time when they thought it didn't exist. Is it like an albino unicorn or something, you know? Um, but uh, now I think they've gotten the memo that, no, no, that's a thing. There really are uh, 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 species out there that are, there's a species called conservative cares about climate change. And it's 
multiplying rapidly. And so that's, that means that those members of Congress are looking forward to, uh, to ways to flock with that species. And, uh, that's, that's our hope is that, um, we help them uh, make the case in their local districts. And then uh, that gives them the permission to lead in Washington. Because, you know, uh, the reality is that this is all up to us constituents to give members of Congress permission to lead. Uh, that means that we're willing to follow. Um, and if constituencies give a member of Congress permission to lead toward a brighter energy future, one that's cleaner, um, more independent of petro dictators, uh, one that produces less greenhouse gases and and makes provision for our children and grandchildren. And once they get that permission, they will lead. Uh, but they they do require permission. It's sort of mother may I, you know, uh, take a step here. Can I go get on that bill? Can I talk about it to news outlets? Can I lead on climate? Will you let me? Yeah. All right. Uh, put you on the spot real quick, like trying to, you know, which you got five kids, Bob, this is going to be kind of like trying to name which one is your favorite, but which do you think is maybe the most impactful field trip that we've done? The, the uh, trips that are most, uh, uh, most fun for me are the ones that talk about policy because uh, I want to talk about a way to make climate policy worldwide and very effective so that free enterprise can really solve this challenge in front of us. Um, so those are the ones that uh, get me all excited. Um, uh, but the others are great too, where it's a member of Congress just coming to grips with the local realities. So for example, um, if the water is coming up and the septic tanks are getting inundated, or the, or the broken sewer lines are getting, uh, the, the, the stuff in there is washing out into the waterways uh, because of uh, the uh, sea level rise, that's real impactful for local folks. Um, and so, um, the question I always want to get to though, is, yeah, what do we do to solve it? You know? Um, so that's, uh, that, those are the ones that excite me. Bob, thanks for a few minutes to explain these field trips and kind of what we do and the method behind that madness. It takes a lot of time, a lot of work, and we're excited to work with uh, members and staffs and we got more planned this year. So uh, a lot of exciting things to come. Yeah, well, all that work is mostly yours, Price. So thank you for all the uh, effort that goes into making all the arrangements because there are a lot of arrangements to be made. <laughs> um, but uh, I think they're valuable because seeing is believing, you know, you get out and you see it. Um, and I'm reminded of in one case where we were after a member of Congress to come out and look at some things. He finally did, but it was too late because an opponent had already gotten in there saying, this is something we need to care about. I imagine that that uh, former member of Congress now is probably thinking, um, gee, I wish I'd uh, gotten with him a couple of three years earlier, uh, because really this is becoming such a relevant issue. You know, there was a time when it was possible to dispute it. That, those days are gone. Now, People know that climate change is real. What they're looking for is a solution that fits with their values. And so um, that's, uh, 
that's what we're looking for to show. That's what we're looking to show on these um, field trips. Um, and it's uh, that that fits with uh, this episode about John Rowe because there's there's a guy that's just has real expertise in the power industry and can tell you what will really work in a practical sense. And uh, that's why we're excited about connecting with people like John Rowe. And when you can put them in touch with members of Congress so they see, oh, no, this is not some left-wing loony. This is a guy who ran very successfully a very large power company that owns about a quarter, maybe I think it's 25 of the 105, 104 nuclear reactors. When John was CEO, uh, Exelon owned a quarter of the U.S. nuclear fleet. Um, so he's no slouch when it comes to um, understanding the ins and outs of the power business uh, and emissionless power, uh, nuclear power. So anyway, those are the kind of connections we like to make when it comes to these field trips. But gives, gives me an idea there, Price. What about a, a nuclear power plant field trip? That's what we could do. I got one in mind for South Carolina, a district in South Carolina that has a nuclear power plant. Maybe that could be a field trip that would be of interest to that member of Congress. Surely he's already been there, but uh, it may be the right context. That's what we want to do is we want to present it in a context that's that, that uh, they, they could see themselves um, speaking into rather than one that's a foreign context, um, one that's relevant to their constituents. So yeah, that's what field trips are about. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the EcoRight Speaks. Appreciate John Rowe joining Bob and Chelsea there earlier, and certainly Bob there with me in that final segment talking about the field trips that we set up for members of Congress. want to give a shout-out to some of our new members, uh, which you can always stand with us if you have not done so. Uh, we would love for you to do that at republican.org forward slash join. Some new members that we had sign up, uh, all from Indiana, ironically, Ethan S., Laura A., Phil T., and Sam C. So thank you to those four for standing with us. And again, if you have not done so, republican.org forward slash join. The power is in numbers, and we would love to have you as a a member of our team here at republican.org. And it's a team that doesn't cost you a dime. So we'd love to have you sign up and stand with us uh, here on the EcoRight. We'll be back with another episode next week. Again, make sure you download and hit that subscribe button so you can get a new episode brought to you, whether it's your smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever it is. Uh, have it delivered right to you every single week as we drop a new episode on Tuesdays of the EcoRight Speaks podcast. Until next week, Chelsea will be back. We will talk to you then. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco right leader. 